Aussie music is something to be proud of. Wear it like a badge. Because it's Australian bands and artists that are the influencers of so many other musicians the world over. So at Triple M, we're proud to be able to showcase the power of the Aussie music scene. Paying both homage to the greats that have stood the test of time right alongside the current, the emerging, the future influencers. The ones that will be next to make their mark on the global music scene. If it's Aussie and it rocks, it's right here. This is Triple M's Homegrown with Matty O. Yes, right around the country, that's 52 stations and on the brand new listener app. This is exciting, probably one of the most in-demand guests we've had and we can finally welcome him to the show from Melbourne to the world. What a career, 15 singles in the top 40, just to name a few, so many hits. You know him from Chef. Collaborating too. You know the song so well. <laughs> One summer as the days go by. Could be one of the most popular Australian songs too. And new music as well. It is a pleasure to welcome Mr. Darrell Braithwaite to Triple M's Homegrown. How are you? Thank you very much, Matty. Nice to be here. Uh, when you look back at that body of work starting, you know, at Sherbet, does it, does it feel like yesterday or is it? does it feel like, you know, a lifetime ago? It feels like a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It really does. Because, I mean, you go back to, well, Sherbet started 1970. Yeah. So it's only been 53 years. So good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you remember the first record you ever bought? Not like a kind of record that, you know, you might have been listening to at home, family and friends. Do you remember the first record you went out and purchased? I, I think it was Kathy Kirby and it was, uh, Now I shouted from the highest yeah. hill Even told the golden daffodil That lasts But I remember that and my, oh my brother because i got a twin brother hey, we got crowds And we here. used to sing that Wow, that's incredible <laughs> <laughs> no, no, back then when we were very, very young, I suppose eight to 12, we used to just listen to vinyl. Yeah. You know, and, and probably in, music would come from our parents. Yeah. So we'd, you know, because we wouldn't buy it at that early age. Yeah, of course. And, and when did you start going out to shows and kind of experiencing it live? Probably um, around about 17, 18, you know, yeah. to clubs in Melbourne yeah. uh, and, and Sydney as well, the here over in North Sydney and all that sort of stuff, seeing yeah. bands like Max Merritt and Lardy Dars and stuff. Yeah. And it was so, oh, it was so good. And what, was it watching bands back then? I suppose, you know, that was my time as well, Chelsea, who's produced out there can you can you paint the picture of what was like because there were gigs every night live music was really kind of happening is it was that really kind of the thrill of it that you wanted to be a part of apart from making music i think it was it was um instigated too by or, or helped greatly by um the liverpool sound you know beatles and stuff like that yep. which um I, I think if you ask anyone that comes from that time period that we feel as though we were very fortunate to have that period where music just uh music was more important then i think yeah. seemingly um, yeah. And you could only hear it on the radio, uh, maybe TV, and maybe Walkmans or stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Going back, but it was—it really was an exciting period. Um, and we didn't have the internet then, obviously, and all that stuff. But there were whole things that happened, you know, like the Vietnam War that yeah. influenced uh, music that was coming along 
as, yeah. w- as well out of America. So yeah. it was it was a great time. What I love about Sherbet songs is they're so inf- infectious, and those choruses are so memorable. I guess so. It's sort of... Um, well, it's hard when you're in the bubble, but as a fan, they really oh, are. Yeah, well, even um, the, there's a story uh, that I remember about how's that we'd, we'd nearly finished it, uh, recording it up in Sydney and a guy was out from uh, England, a good friend of Roger Davies, who was our manager. Yeah. And we were doing How's That at the time. Roger gave him a copy, unfinished, to take away and play in the next room. He came back after half an hour, said, that's going to be a hit in England. No way. And we thought, sure, we've heard that all before. <laughs> yeah. For sure. And then, lo and behold, it, um, it yeah. went to number two in England, which was great. Absolutely. I think when uh, you know, I look at Sherbet, you know, they've got the crowds, the accolades, sold out arena. Is, and there aren't too many people that hear this when they're in a band. Crowds chanting your name, and I even managed to track down some audio of a diehard Sherbet fan. In those days, all the Sherbet fans used to hang out together and, uh, you know, we, we all sort of got to know each other. We'd camp outside the Horden Pavilion and we'd all take our tape decks along with us and we'd listen to Sherbet music all night. You kind of created your own little community. I mean, that, that's pretty rare. <laughs> well, it, it was, um, I, I guess that was the, the aim of it after a while, you know, because you start off doing it because you love it and all that, and you still continue doing that. Yeah. And if you're fortunate enough to be successful, um, you, I guess that's that's all part of it. But very um, fortunate, you know, I guess that we, as a band, um, really worked well together. Like, yeah. The chemistry was, was really good. And for us to stay together for basically all of us for, um, I guess, about 12, 13 years, Incredible. Yeah, it was, It was. you know, have to hand it to everyone in the band. It was great. When you're in a bubble like that, do you feel like it's going to last forever? Like, do you, do you ever think about, like, after the band? No, not really. It was because um, obviously a situation like that came up when I had my first solo single, which was You're My World. And I remember, I think Alan may have even said or said to Roger, you know, we'll have to, <laughs> Roger, our manager, yeah, we'll have to watch Daryl, you know, because he probably want to go off and do a solo career. Yeah, but right. that, that never came into my mind. It was just, as Clive Shakespeare, who put forward the proposal, uh, he was the guitar player in Sherbet, he said, why don't you do a solo thing and we'll just see how it works. Nice. And it worked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a, like we had a two-pronged attack, yeah. I guess, in the end. It was really interesting. I had Colin Hay from Men at Work in yeah. last week and he was talking about his transition from Men at Work to his solo career. I'd just like to play your grab from that. There was a lot of challenges. I mean, it was very frustrating in, in many ways. Being on your own, you know, when you kind of, you've been part of an industry for for you know, ten or fifteen years, then all of a sudden they go, they they kind of seem to go. Okay, well you're done. You know, you're you you go off and sit on a beach or do whatever it is you want to do. But we're not really particularly interested anymore. So so I just had to, I just had to find my own audience, which is basically what I've what I've done. Uh, just try and, but in many ways that's what the old band did as well. Really, you know, we just we we just found our own audience, or they found us. And was that transition similar think, for you, or was it how did yeah. how did it kind of work with you going from Sherbet to Solo? I think uh, the same thing. It's um, it, it's probably a bit lonely, um, obviously on your own, but it's um, you get you do get used to it and you adapt. Yeah. But it, it was. I look back and I think that it was so rewarding being in the band Sherbet and having that that, experience. Uh, that whole thing uh, with Roger and the five of us. It was just we could all be in a room, which is this would apply to all bands, I'm sure, yeah. where you can look across the room and go, mm, and they know time to go. <laughs> 
it's just the thing. It's like, you know, Cubs or whatever, Scouts or whatever, you know, you're all together. It's a, it's a, a thing that comes with having been together for 10 years, I guess. Absolutely. Now, uh, you know my dad, Paul O'Gorman. Yes. And uh, he asked to bring this up. He likes to think, he's been telling us for years, that he might have had a small hand in this song coming together. <laughs> Of course he would. Of course he would. I think he was the one that sent it to me. And and he would have sent, and I remember this specifically because to your listeners, it was on a thing called a cassette, which is a, a bit of plastic, you know, maybe four inches long, whatever. Yeah. And uh, he, uh, it came from Paul, your dad, yeah. and it, there were two songs on there. One was As the Days Go By and the other one was All I Do. Mm. And lo and behold, I ended up recording both of them and As the Days was the first single and then All I Do was the second. Yeah. So it was just, but As the Days Go By, when I first heard it, written by Ian Thomas from Canada, Mm. I thought, it's just like one of those things when you hear a song, you go, oh, my God, how good is this? Yeah. And, of course, we recorded it, and that was the first single off Edge. And okay. if that hadn't worked, well, probably who knows what would have happened, but it was um, it was so good. And now, even playing it now, I just I just love it because the people, um, they, yeah, they sing. I was going to say, like, uh, I've been to a few of your gigs, and obviously, if you don't follow Daryl on the socials, you need to do it. His, his socials are absolutely incredible. And what I love about <laughs> watching your gigs is that you seem to be, you know, you're getting the next generation of fans across as well. How special is that for you as a performer to see, you know, younger kids, you know, singing your songs that, you know, they've obviously grown up on from their parents and things like that. Yeah, it's, um, it, it's a little, it's a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's not. It's um, it's something that um, is really endearing because you you see them and you know that uh, um, I guess they're liking it because they like the song. It, it's sort of and maybe the the stuff that we as a band that, that I'm in now that we give off on stage because it's um that'd be part of it as well. But it's it's not forced on them. It's just sort of like okay, here it is, and this is what we do. And if it yeah. works, it works. And but yeah, the young people are they um they really raise your spirits. It's sort of like because yeah. I I'm. What Whatever, 74 now you think my god is this you know is this happening so to speak yeah. and you think yep yeah, it is um and how do you accept it well you just do and yeah. you just think that you're lucky yeah how do you keep your voice in such good condition don't know <laughs> like what do, you, what do you actually do for that because it's it's uh, crazy don't man. smoke don't drink but have you uh, always uh, been like that you've never i i used to smoke a lot yeah um gave up maybe 30 years ago i guess but nice but i, I think now you sort of like james rain would testify to this as well because we sometimes talk about like how How's your throat, James? I'll have him on the phone. I'll go, gee, you don't sound too good. You're no, Daryl. I've had something wrong. With <laughs> and then the paranoia creeps in. Yeah. But it, I think it's just sort of um, looking after it a bit. But as you get older, it becomes a little bit harder. Yeah, that's what I mean. To sing. Yeah. Like so, you look, yeah, like you look at a lot of performers and those high notes have often got backing singers to help them out, but you're still doing that yourself. It's pretty Yeah, pretty well, incredible. No, we haven't put any, um, haven't changed the keys of any of them, except yeah. I think we did, as the days go by, initially, was in uh, a semitone or a tone up but I think after the first tour this is going back to 1987 88 I Whoa. said we'd come to the finish for the night and it would be we'd be doing <laughs> as the days go by yeah, at last yeah. and I'd come off and go oh, I think I think we're going to have to try and put it down a bit <laughs> yeah, yeah. so we did and it stayed there but the others have, nice. have remained that's, in the same key so that's, lucky that's pretty impressive hey you got time for a quick game I have awesome this is called cool. so this is called memory lane and what I've done is I've gone through your gig history 
and plucked out ones completely at random to see what you remember about it. Okay, it might not be the show. It might be partying backstage. It might be going to and from at the airport. Right. So let's see how you go. Daryl Braithwaite's Memory Lane. So, let's go to the 24th of Jan. This sounds daunting. 1976. But you played, it was called Record Breakers, <laughs> Memorial Drive in Adelaide. Some of the bands that played. Right. You had ACDC. John. Hush, Sherbet, yourselves, any recollection of playing that gig or maybe sharing the stage with those bands? No. <laughs> <laughs> No, it, um, in Adelaide, yes. If it, uh, where did where did you say it was played? Uh, Memorial at? Drive. Yep, I remember. It's sort of vague. It's sort of it's there. You remember it vaguely, or I do. But mm. gee whiz, I hope it was good. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was it like with all those kind of bands? You know, yourselves all coming up at the same time. It must be pretty exciting. I think it, it was because it didn't matter where you were on the bill. It was just that it was all um, music, and we we're all in the same. You know, just on the road. Yeah, because we we played anything up to four or five gigs a week, if not more. Mm. And everyone was touring and, and you'd only cross paths in situations like this, say in Adelaide. But um, it would have been, you'd all say hello and, you know, what have you been doing? And then that'd be a bit, yeah. you know, and then the maybe side. there was a party afterwards, which they were usually pretty, um, yeah, pretty you know, well, out there. Yeah, say, mate. Well, let's go. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go. <laughs> with, these are at random too. Uh, 1973, I've been keen to talk to you about this because you performed uh, Tommy on stage. You can sing along if you want. God. <laughs> that, that person you were playing then, Broderick Smith, I actually saw him yesterday in St Kilda. <laughs> I was walking up Fitzroy Street and I came to the lights and I looked across and I thought, my God, that's Broderick. I haven't yeah. seen him in 40 years. Yeah, wow. I didn't go over because I didn't want to sort of, of course. confront him or whatever. But, but no, the, the Tommy experience was just insane. Again, that was... Yeah, paint the picture for us. So that was at City My Music Bowl. You perform with, uh, you know, Billy Thorpe uh, oh, as, as well. Like no, it's every, Doug Parkinson, all, all the, um, the people really that were in that time yeah. playing and performing. We're on the show, and including uh, Keith Moon, and then also I was the the young upstart from this band called Sherbet, who were in Sydney. So coming down to Melbourne was like, mm. but they um, it, it was a great experience, and I do remember um, having words to Keith Moon. <laughs> Yeah. Because I said to him, Keith, I think, and somehow I don't know how I would have worded this, but it was like, I think you ought to cut back on the drinking. <laughs> how do you take that? I don't know. I think because he was, he was, I think he was busting up his dressing room with a chair and stuff at the time. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that sort of thing happened, you know. But uh, but that that was that side of it. But the show itself, the only other thing that I can remember that people might sort of get a bit of a buzz off was um, Billy Thorpe was in it. He was the, the uh, pinball king, and when we were doing the uh, the choruses out at the end of the listening to you I get the music gazing at you anyway the orchestra's going dun dun and David Meesham the conductor they had a set pattern and maybe eight times round to the chorus no we as the artists because we're all singing it with Billy leading the charge we made it about 16 times what so they'd go to go into the listening to you they do all that I get the music of you 
I hear the story. And then they could finish then. But no, then Billy would go, listening to you. And so off we go. And I swear to God, I've, it's on the footage as well. <laughs> and you can see David Meesham going, oh, because we, we were so excited and enthused by it that we all just kept going. I love just, that. Oh, it was, <laughs> it was insane. Hey, I'm going to ask you about this because I spoke to John Stevens about this gig and I've heard lots of different stories. The Grand Prix in Adelaide, 1992. We had John Farnham. Jimmy Barnes and, of course, my mate. John Stevens, James Rain, Kate Sobrano, Deborah Conway. What do you remember about this? Oh, I think I was on it. <laughs> um, but it was a, it was, um, it was really good because I think it might have been, it might have been the year bef- um, before it came to Melbourne. And uh, but yeah, being in the oh, with all those people and John, I think we had a photo together with James, John, maybe Kathy Watt, who was the bis- bicycle person. Yeah, because we we drove in the uh, celebrity race as well. I think over there. Yes, also. that's. What I want to know. Do you remember that? Because he said he rolled up to that after a big party with you, Johnny Farnham, James Rain, and everyone did the celebrity. Yeah, race I don't know how they remember. Maddie, I don't know how they remember the parties because it's usually <laughs> they're insane as well. But yeah, um, yeah no, that was a, it. Was a lot of fun over there. It was just um, especially with John Stevens and and John Farnham as well, and uh, James and Kate, as you said, I think was yeah. there. And yeah, long time ago. Long time ago. Yeah. What about uh, one year later, Sydney and. Inter- Entertainment Center with Did you play with Tina Turner? I think we supported her. And, I, and how was it? Really good because we knew her manager, Roger Davies. <laughs> <laughs> and but she was just again, what an artist. Yeah. You know, she was just fantastic. But all Meet those up. sort of things, you know, supporting those big acts, it all it all helped. As long as you went all right. If you went bad, yeah. God, heaven help you. Did you meet her? <laughs> yes, I did. And yep. what was what was that like? Was it brief? Was it like a, you kind of get, or were they hanging out? No, no. I think it was, because Roger, well, with his artists, I think it's more or less like a, oh, hi, this is Tina, this is Daryl, Daryl. Yeah. Hi, how are you? Want a photo? Oh, a photo? Yeah, have a photo. Not a not a selfie, yeah. but a real photo. Yeah. And then that was it, yeah. you know, because I think he uh, was sort of like, the, yeah, just keep you distance so yeah, to speak of course uh 2006 it was the return of countdown spectacular that that looked like one hell of a show uh james ray mondo rock renee gayer again uh harsh sherbet what was it like getting the band back together to play that show it was it was a lot of fun god i can remember it now it's um it was yeah it was really really good it was um and we all we all <laughs> We all got to, as you can imagine, we all got to say, so what have you been doing? You know, and, you know, like Tahash, or who we grew up with as yeah, well. Yeah. And, uh, and John Paul Young. And I st- I mean, I still see John now. And uh, we always talk about, do you remember that time back in wherever it was? And, but all, all of those things, it's, uh, when you when you look back at them, they're just so memorable, yeah. And and they're embedded in your your head, and you just think, God, we you know we've all um had a good run, yeah, we really have. And when you're kind of getting back together, do you remember your 
first rehearsal back with Sherbert because sometimes it's like you get back in, you plug in your amps, you get the drumsticks, and it's just like you never left. Always at the opposite. Well, no, I think it was very much like, um, God, I can't believe how good that sounded. Yes. You know, that, yes. And then you start to refine it a little bit, but but basically everyone remembers their parts. Yes. So, so it works. You know, it's really good fun. Uh, you did something that was pretty cool, and this got a lot of people excited. You played at Falls Festival. <laughs> We had Liam Gallagher, June Rats 2, Angus and Julia Stone, some hip-hop artists as well. Uh, What was it like getting the call to play Falls Festival? For those who don't know, maybe listening around the world, it's predominantly a younger festival, younger demographic. Yeah, no, it was um, when they first approached us uh, to do it, I thought, gee whiz, that's a challenge. It was... (laughs) It was sort of like I had this burning desire maybe about five years prior to that or more mm. of doing um, the big day out because I thought that would be really good. But it, it never came to fruition, which was similar younger people. But uh, when they um, said, no, no, Falls Festival for the four gigs, you know, Lawn, oh, nice. Tasmania, yeah. uh, Western Australia and uh, Tas- yeah, Tassie yeah, and Perth. Well, the, the first one in Lawn, we got there. And we were side of stage, all my band, who were probably average age of about 45, 50. Yeah. And all these young people, like Giants and the, the band Giants and all this. But they, they were really, they, I think they were curious too to yeah. see, oh, yeah. You know. Anyway, we, we went on in Under the Big Top and we started off with um, Blues Walking. Mm. Or maybe it was all I do, I'm not sure. But anyway, it was unbelievable. Like yeah. they, they even sang Blues Walking, which is an old Sherbet song. And as we're doing, I thought, God, what's going on? Anyway. <laughs> It was a great gig, and obviously we finished with the horses, mm. and the whole place just sort of erupted. How cool! And I thought, okay, well, um, <laughs> you know, what do we do? But I've got some great footage of it, and sort of great memories because it was like, um, I, I guess it's, it's enthusiastic. It makes you feel like you're doing the right thing, and and it's not like you're going out of your way to try and capture that audience. It's just somehow it's fallen in your lap. It's organic. Yeah, yeah I guess so. So, but we all, all the band and crew, just all came off. And went, oh my God, how good was that? <laughs> and, and, what that was, was. and what was it like hanging out kind of backstage and, and that experience? Well, it was good because we, uh, I think we befriended some of the young bands, you know, and chat to them and all that sort of stuff and uh, find out what they're doing and uh, how how slightly different it is, the you know, from how we play to what they play, their sort of style of music or the instrumentation and all the, you know, the I guess the effects and stuff or, or just how they do it. But it's, it's still the same thing of being in a band. Band, mm. you know and all and they get so excited yeah i mean we were excited but they were excited yeah, as yeah, well yeah. for them for themselves to be on uh, you know falls festival it was great we get a lot of upcoming musicians that listen to this show people are just starting it might not be in music might be publicity management right. what advice do you have for the next generation of people who want to get into the music industry oh i reckon it's the same modus operandi obviously is that you've got to love you know music um love playing or an instrument singing and then if you um or or whatever you do in that music, the whole scheme of things. But uh, And then if you can find other people that, that you get on with as well, because yeah. that, that really helps. I think being on your own maybe is a bit, bit strange, but um, mm. if you've got someone you can bounce off with, but and then just go with um, what you think is really good. Yeah. Don't you know? Don't be led. Just go with your feelings. Uh, one more gig I just got to ask you about. He's dancing in the studio for those who can't see it. The collaboration of, well, the last 20 minutes. 
I don't want any shortcuts in this story. I want to go right back to the start because there was footage of you emerging at the Harry Styles gig in Melbourne. I was there that night too. Incredible, all right. Yeah, incredible good. performance. Um, talk me through how this all happened. Okay. Um, about five years ago, uh, I was up in Sydney at the Arias and um, I was introduced to Harry Styles. He, or he actually, I think Dennis Hanlon, who was the CEO then of Sony, brought him over and said, Daryl, this is Harry. I've gone, oh, Harry, hi, how are you? Sort of shook hands. And that was that was it. He mm. walked away. And then on that tour that he was on, I think he played the horses once or twice. Yeah. And I, I saw footage of that back in whatever it was, 217 or 218. I thought, my God, that was that was that was weird. Anyway, nothing <laughs> that was weird. happened. And then years went by until um March this year or April. No, March, I think. Mm. And uh Harry was out here again and um he started playing the horses, I think, in his Perth gig. And I remember waking up watching the news in the morning. I thought, God, what's that? Is that that Harry Styles bloke playing that song? And I just felt elated. I thought, my God, because everyone rang, said, oh, Daryl, you're on the TV and you're with Harry. And I said, no, no, I'm not with Harry. But uh, anyway, um, I thought when he was coming to uh, Melbourne, I thought I'll go and see him. Just yeah. So I asked Sony, could they get us a ticket? They got us a ticket for my friend and I, and we went along. And we're standing there to the side of stage about yeah. 100 metres away mm-hmm. and uh, support band with, I think, Wet. I'm wet Leg. F- yeah, they'd finished. They were really good. I liked the girl singer there. I thought she was great. And that finished and they played the, the music in between and uh, after about three or four songs, they played the horses, like the my recorded version of it. And I'm standing there going, this is not good. <laughs> this is not. And then people in front have gone, aren't you the, aren't you the guy <laughs> that sings? Are you? And then all of a sudden cameras turned or and I just stood there like a dill. I just didn't know <laughs> what to do. Yeah. And so that subsided. And then, but I had a funny story. We were up uh, sta- well, standing where we were, and there were four people, young girls, standing to my right, who prior to this happening had come up and said to us, hey, listen, we know you're security, but are we all right to stand here? So, no, no, we're not security. It's fine. You can stand there all you like. It's fine. Then after the, the horses the first time, yeah. they said, oh, can I have a phone? <laughs> So it just started and then the, and it was really, it was surreal, the whole thing. Even the police came and said, hey, listen, do you want us to look after? I said, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm just, I'll just stand here. It'll be fine. So that passed and um, Harry started the show yeah. and it was really good. And then got to the end, near the end, and he does the horses again. And I thought, oh my God. It's had two goes. <laughs> and so he did that. That was fantastic. And then to move forward about a week or so, we, my band and I were playing on the Friday night up in Sydney at the zoo. Yeah. Had a fantastic gig. Came off. At, oh, and, and we actually, that night, I'd, I'd got the band to learn a little bit of Watermelon Sugar oh, High. Oh, genius. Because there'd been talk of, about all this thing, the Harry thing, and I thought, oh. anyway, we did it, and it was great. Came off stage about half an hour later. I get a phone call from... Vanessa, uh, the CEO of Sony, and she said, "Daryl, no, Harry wants you to uh, <laughs> sing with him tomorrow night. If you if you can stay are you in Sydney, I said, no, no, we're going home. Oh, well, can you stay over? I said, mm, okay, then I'll stay over. <laughs> yeah. And uh, stayed over with Brad, my sound engineer. And it was so again, it was a day that you just thought this is going to be really un- unbelievable." <laughs> 
<laughs> like, you know. Mm. Anyway, we went out to Acor Stadium, uh, maybe about four hours before it all started. Got to meet Harry about an hour and a half before he went on in his room and lovely guy. Yeah. And uh, I said to him, well, um, we're going to do the horses. So what about um, how do you want to do it? And he said, well, how do you want it? I said, well, no, it's your show. <laughs> And oh, and then we agreed that, okay, he would do the first verse, I'll do the second. <coughs> and then the chorus is out, bang, that's it. Said, okay, fine, that's it. Yeah. And then I stayed in my room for the next three hours while he got ready. Then he started his show. Then they said, it's time. And I thought, oh. <laughs> it's like the electrocution. <laughs> and I walked backstage and I thought, my God. How many people are here? Anyway, got backstage. They put in in ears, mm-hmm. which I never wear. Okay. So I'm there floundering a little bit going, can uh, uh, I? and they said, do you, do you want anything in you? I said, I can hear Harry, but can I have a little bit of keyboard? Yeah, of course. Okay. And then, so we're standing there. Harry finishes the, the show as such, comes backstage with his singers and band, comes up to me and goes, okay, Daryl, you ready? So, and then he does a, a knuckles, you know, thing. Goes, yeah, yeah, no, I'm fine. Yeah, all good. Can't hear anything. <laughs> And then went out, um, and my God, it oh. was just, it was, because um, I don't know how many were there, 70,000 or yeah, more. Yeah, sold out. And I could hear him, and then I could hear dung, 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 you know, the horses. And it was just, um, it was surreal, the whole thing. But it was such a, a mighty experience that, you know, yeah. like hard to explain, because I just felt the elation that, you know, and his warmth as well. Mm. And it was just so easy. It was just, dumb. and then it, it went without a hitch, you know, and then I walked yeah. off. <laughs> <laughs> and left it up to him, but he was but a lovely guy. He really is. Just a yeah, you know, the sweetest guy and sort of um and it worked. What did you did you see him afterwards or was that the kind of the only No, no, of- we but we <laughs> We went out, uh, we left in the police escort. So we had to, as soon as he came off stage into his car or yeah. whatever, and we got in ours, and there were about five cars with the police in front and all that stuff. So. <laughs> just like the sherbet days. It, yeah, <laughs> it was. It was just, um, it was great. It, and, and that was it. What is it like to have a song like this? Gonna be little what is it like? To have a song like this that means so much to so many people, Harry Styles, the next generation of fans that are coming through, like you get to see people's reactions when you kick into this song. And, you know, I've seen it at shows, on the telly. Yeah. It's a it's a pretty special and unique thing. I think, I, and I tried to, um, when I was talking to Ricky Lee Jones, who was one of the co-writers about it when she was out here years ago, and we couldn't, we tried to like analyse why people lie. And it's just, I guess, images come to people when they hear the, the words and the melody and uh, no reason why I, I i don't know but it has a glorious effect mm. on people um you know and i get all the time you know people writing to us saying we've used this at a wedding a funeral whatever it is it's just um yeah. but it is it, it, there's something about i think it's got that that Im- imagery and it'd be all different for different people yeah. of uh, up in the sky a horse it's it's all it just yeah. you know but I, I guess if you could put your finger on it and say um oh it's because of this then you'd be writing them you know every day but mm. Ricky and Walter wrote this song and probably didn't foresee that it would become a you know a big hit here in Australia such a special thing oh yeah uh, Daryl this has been so much fun uh, like every artist I have one more game that I'm going to play with you <laughs> on Triple M's Homegrown with Matty O it's time for uh oh it's my party again. Now, this is called Right Party Dinner. I'm going to give you three artists completely at random. You've got to write a song with them. You can party with the next one. Or the third, you've got to take home to dinner. All right? Okay. So your artists are... Phil Collins. 
Aerosmith. Right party dinner with Dale Braithwaite. Phil Collins, Aerosmith, or Prince? I think Phil Collins. Hey, what are you going to do with him? You're going to write a song, party with him, or take him home to dinner? I reckon take him home to dinner. Okay, yeah, I like that. <laughs> a few glasses are ready. Get some good stories. Well, I'm sure because he's written some great songs. I mean, God, yeah, really has. Yeah, definitely. So that means you're taking him home to dinner. Who would you like to party with, and who would you like to write a song with? Out of Aerosmith and Prince. I reckon write a, write a song with Prince. Yeah. And I like that. And party with Aerosmith. <laughs> uh, Daryl, this has been so much fun. It's been a bucket list moment to get you on the show. It's been super enjoyable. Congrats on everything. And I uh, can't pleasure. wait to see you soon. Thank you. Nice. Thank you, Manny. That's how you do it. Oh. Hey, I might get a quick ID from you if that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. G'day. It's Daryl Braithwaite. You're listening to Triple M's Homegrown with Matty O. Triple M's Homegrown and Matty O okay. is the only thing you need to remember. Okay. Oh, I don't need those. No. Hi, this is Daryl Braithwaite, and you're listening to Triple M. Triple M's homegrown. Hi, this is Daryl Braithwaite, and you're listening to Triple M Homegrown, and you know I'm, and I'm with Matty O driving you home. Nice, bro. Nice. Is that all right? Uh, <laughs> maybe we'll get a photo too, and you got to sign a guitar, and then you got to clean my car and pay my bills, oh. and you know I'm just making you do everything, you know. Where do you park your car around here? <laughs> yeah.